0: Carpenter's Way 101, uh, the new membership class. uh, If you're here, we're used to doing the library. We're actually doing the student center. So if you go out the doors, take a left and just follow the sidewalk around. Uh, We're changing up the way we do stuff a little bit. We're not going to have announcements at this time. So we're just going to jump right back into worship, if that's okay with you guys. You're free to stand and worship with us if you want to.
1: You are amazing, a God who's unchanged.
2: Mind standing together as a congregation today as we read the scripture? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth, he never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint.
1: Yeah. Lord My fortress, I shall not be shaken. All to Jesus. I give it all to you Do what you want to do Here at your feet I bow Come take me now I give it all to you Do what you want to do Here at your feet I bow Come take me now
0: God, we just we stand before you just in awe of your goodness, in awe of your majesty, your wonder, your mercy. And God, we just say, Lord, we surrender. It's so easy to say these words. We ask, Lord, that your spirit that lives inside of us would just remind us of this truth, Lord, that you are trustworthy. God, that you are sovereign. You know exactly what tomorrow holds. You know exactly what next year holds, next month. And God, that we can rest in that. Oh, that we can really rest in your goodness. We can really rest and surrender everything that we have because we know that you're good. We know that you look upon us and you smile and say, those are my kids. Those are my kids, and you have great plans for us. And so, Lord, we ask once again that your spirit that resides in each and every one of us will just well up inside of us and remind us of those truths. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: Good morning, Carpenters Way family. Uh, good morning. Okay, Pam, thank you. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Kip Havard and I serve on the personnel and dress code committees here at Carpenter's Way Church. <laughs> not, not really. That committee doesn't exist. That's a joke. Don't. Stod'six. Uh, once a year, <laughs> obviously it doesn't. Um, once a year, we have an opportunity in church to give back to our staff in a way that's above and beyond what we normally would do for them. So up in the in the lobby uh, and brad can point you in the right way there is uh, a love offering envelope and so what we do once a year from now until december 6th if i remember right uh, if you guys want to give to the staff we will take what's in the love offerings and then divide it out at the end of the year evenly um, for our staff for those of you who give online you can also, uh, if you give through PayPal, you can mark uh, what that is for. You can give uh, for the staff if you mark it there on PayPal. So uh, this is a good opportunity, folks, because those of you who work with members of our church know how much they do considering the level of our staff. So I would encourage each of you between now and December 6th to plan and to budget uh, Forgiving, and if you want to bring it up here to the church, you can do so as well. So thank you very much.
4: Thank you, Kip. I'm standing again. Isn't that good? That's good. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for clapping for me. Last week you clapped for coffee, so your, your clapping doesn't mean all that much anymore. <laughs> but it's, it's good to see you, and I hope uh, you are surviving this week. Uh, Man, this is such a busy time at church, and before I jump into the text, we're going to be in uh, Acts chapter 3 today, so you can turn your Bibles there, and I will join with you there in a moment. But there's a ton going on. As I had mentioned last week, uh, November is actually the busiest uh, month of ministry for Carpenter's Way. And uh, so I want to highlight a few things. Uh, as Chad had already mentioned, we have a new members class going on right now, and you can still, it's not too late to join them. It's down in the student room, and if you'd like to slip out of your chair and head down there, you can do that today. Um, another huge thing this year with everything, everything is weird, as you know, because of COVID. Uh, and that uh, Operation Christmas Child, which is our biggest hands-on Mission of the Year, special mission event, that will be taking place the week before Thanksgiving. Um, and uh, we, what we do, Carpenter's Way doesn't just have boxes and collect boxes, but we are the regional hub for all Operation Christmas Child in the area. So churches and area groups, they collect boxes, they put them in big crates, and then they bring them here. We receive them, we have to administrate them, and then, we, uh, and then we pack a trailer, a semi-trailer, and we send it off to Dallas where it goes across the globe. But because of COVID, there are those who normally volunteer who, who are at higher risk uh, that just can't volunteer this year. So this is kind of an all-healthy hands-on-deck announcement. We need you. Uh, and uh, there are afternoon for one whole week, and the dates, as you leave this morning, the dates are uh, on a table out there. It's, it's between these two doors. Please check them and please sign up. Uh, we, have, uh, we need some to administrate, so if you're not super healthy and you can't pick up boxes, we, we need you signing in boxes. And, uh, but if you are able to lift, especially on, we need you especially on the Saturday and the final Monday. So that is coming up. If you have questions, you can email me, and I'll give you the information um, that you need. But that is super, super important. Or you can talk to Chastity Overby, who oversees that, or Robert Grimes as well. Um, I want to also let you know we have a business meeting tonight, uh, and it's a super important one. This is the most important vote you're going to make this year. And uh, (laughs) that's pretty funny right there. Uh, uh, So uh, this is uh, what we'll be voting on tonight is our... um, is our budget for 2021, 2021 starts January 1st, uh, and that budget is increasing because we are adding the position of a student pastor in that. Uh, Jeff and Mark, uh, uh, well, they're not together, Mark Dubose and Jeff Bonin have committed to do student ministry for five to six years, nine and a half years ago, and they have done a phenomenal job, and they're both getting old. If you look in their eyes, they're not very good anymore, and uh, they you know, they have to say what? And media, you know, I, that's, the, that's the best shot I'm going to take. Anyway, so we're very, very excited uh, for a new season in our student ministry. We're excited to have somebody. Now that our debt has been paid off, we can redirect much of that money towards, towards our ministries again. That's what we told you we'd be doing. And uh, we're very, very excited about this. So tonight's vote... Uh, is actually a vote on the budget. It's actually a vote to add a staff person as well. So that's very, very important. It's, the budget has been available for you for two weeks. As you leave, it's in the welcome or it's in the welcome area. And please feel free to call us this afternoon or come tonight and answer, ask questions. And uh, listen, don't just come tonight if you have concerns. Come tonight if you're supportive of that. I, it's, the meetings usually last 15 minutes at the most. We just we answer questions and then we vote. But it's, um, it's important, and uh, we're very excited. Uh, COVID has messed everything up in the organizational structure of church, not, not the leadership structure, but it has messed up everything by way of programming. And that affords us the opportunity to relook at our programming and actually go forward and see what areas we need to work on more. And one, uh, we really have felt this for a couple of years. We've been praying about it. Now is the time in student ministry. If you have any questions, you can talk to Mark or Jeff who will be leading our search for a youth pastor, assuming that you vote uh, that position open. And I was teasing with them, they have rocked the discipleship of our students. And uh, we are very, very excited at what God has next for us. Uh, Neither of them are leaving. uh, And uh, so uh, if they do, we'll kill them. Um, But no, neither of them are leaving. I want to make that clear because people always ask. Uh, but uh, and they're going to they're going to help this person adjust but we are excited also one of the things that uh, i've been talking with several about that i'm very excited about is we are hoping we are hoping that over the next couple of years we can be- begin investing in the next generation of leaders at Carpenter's Way in other words people in their 20s we want to pour into them so that they are committed to Jesus Christ but also committed us to help helping this church remain healthy for the next 40 years, 50 years. So we're very excited about that, and I, I've talked to Jeff and Mark about that, about being a part of that. So we're very excited and, and, and looking forward to that. So that's that's our business meeting tonight. Um, uh, let's see, what else did I want to mention? Oh, Christmas celebration. Um, I hope you're going to get excited. I know some of you, you saw yesterday that Julie and uh, Anna was home and we were decorating our house, starting to decorate our house. The reason we're decorating so early, I want to thank you for the overwhelming majority of you who supported that. And then the few of you grumpies, I just want you to know that we need a little Christmas right now. Because Christmas ain't about decorating. It's about Jesus crashing into a weird time in history and bringing hope, peace, and joy. So in case you're not clear that it's not about music it is about being Crosby, but it's about, he's the only one, but it's about Jesus crashing in the world. We need that. And it does not take away Thanksgiving, which is my favorite holiday because of the food. It allows us to remember what we're thankful for. God came, He crashed in, and that is going to be our theme this year during Christmas. We are going to take the Sunday after Thanksgiving all the way through to Christmas Eve, and we're going to celebrate the fact that God brings joy when you don't have joy in your life. God brings peace when it feels like there's no peace. God brings hope when it feels like things are hopeless. And we're going to remind you of that. And I need to be reminded of that. So we started decorating early, and uh, that's going to be exciting. And then after the Christmas season on January 3rd, the first Sunday of 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 next year, we're opening everything up. We'll go back to Wednesday night with children and adult Bible studies here. Right now, those things are online. Uh, We have never stopped those ministries. We just moved them online. And uh, so starting January 3rd, we're going to be back fully going. And again, you're going to have coffee. Do you realize how cheap the coffee is we serve here? I mean, this is not Starbucks. But anyway, that's kind of where we're at, and we're very, very excited about what God is doing and going to do, and we believe he's building a new church. There's like there's a bunch of people down in the student room right now who signed up for our new members class. God's bringing new people in, and people are watching from all over the country, and we're glad you're watching, and we hope that we can continue to encourage you But I just kind of wanted to give you a highlight. I'm going to continue to remind you of what's coming up. We super, super, super need you, super duper, this is a real thing, to help us with Operation Christmas Child. And I don't have all the dates and stuff in front of me, but it is the Monday before Thanksgiving and the Monday before that. It starts two weeks before Thanksgiving. November 16th, thank you. And it ends on November 23rd. And we need lots of help on the afternoon of November 23rd, which, by the way, is my birthday, so that will save you the need to come up here with a gift. Just bring it with you. So, all right. All right. Did I forget anything? Is there anything else you want to say, Chastity? Okay. She's very shy. All right. Uh, Jesus, uh, so we're going to jump into our time now. Uh, Jesus actually gave one instruction to his followers when he ascended to heaven. Uh, in fact, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 tells us what that one instruction was do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift He promised. Why? Because as I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Just to be clear, the one instruction Jesus gave them was not to be witnesses. That was the effect of the instruction. The instruction was, go to Jerusalem and wait. Be patient. Because what's going to happen when I send you this gift You just go wait. I'm going to send you the gift. The gift is the Holy Spirit. He's going to baptize you into the family of God. He's going to inhabit you. And because of that, you're going to be my witnesses. in Jerusalem. You're going to be my witnesses to the end of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea, and the end of the earth. He repeats it. It's funny. I know you guys know that. But it really is weird how we misunderstand the whole whole line of how that worked. The instructions were, go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to do something through you and in you and around you. Please remember that. In Acts eight, which is the outline of Acts, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's going to be the result of the gift I'm sending. And because of that gift, you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, starting in Jerusalem, then throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And as we've been looking at over the last month, they had no idea what this gift would do to them what their new life would look like. They expected it to have something to do with God's kingdom. They expected Him to restore Israel. They didn't know what it would look like. They just knew that this Holy Spirit would come and would baptize them. A very common phrase back then. You were baptized lots of times in Judaism. You would be baptized to become a member of the Sanhedrin. You would be baptized to become a member of the Pharisees. You'd be baptized into a rabbinical order. Baptism was a common way of committing yourself to something. It's saying, I'm owned by this. And so for God to say to them, you're going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, it's like, oh, okay, I'm joining this. I'm going to be aligned to this. He's going to draw me in. But they had no idea what that day would look like or what that gift would look like. All they knew was the Holy Spirit would come and baptize them, and as a result, they would be witnesses for him throughout the world. And boy, was that a crazy day. For those of you who have been studying uh, this with us, you know that the day that that happened was the the Jewish celebration of Pentecost. And it happened that morning as they were meeting, most likely preparing, they were praying together and maybe having breakfast, 120 of them in the upper room. And they were probably just getting over with their morning so they could go out and celebrate the Pentecost with the rest of their Jewish friends. But as they met that morning, before 9 o'clock it tells us, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came. In the Greek, it's the word pneuma, which is what they heard It said that he entered with the sound of a wind, the sound of pneuma, and the pneuma came. It wasn't wind, it was the sound of wind. There were things that looked like tongues of fire on every one of their heads in the room that day. And then, on that day of Pentecost, before 9 o'clock in the morning when they were gathering, when the gift came, all of a sudden they were able to speak and be heard in the native languages, at least 12 of them, who, of the people who are in Jerusalem for the Jewish celebration of Pentecost from around the world. Why did God allow this? Why did He allow that third thing? We know why the wind came. That was the entrance of the Holy Spirit. We know what the, the, the things that looked like fire were. That was identifying that all of them had been uh, baptized individually. But why the speaking in foreign languages? So that they could do what God said they would do. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And as a result, you will be my witnesses. The reason they needed to speak in those languages was so that they could witness to the people that had gathered in Acts 2 tells us from all over the world. Even Arabs were there. Non-Jews. Jewish converts. There were Gentiles, rich and poor there to celebrate the Jewish festivals. And in order to communicate with them, God gave these people the ability to witness to who God was in in their native languages. And then Peter stands up that day before 9 a.m. and preaches to the rest of the morning under the power of the Holy Spirit, and it tells us that 3,000 people were saved that day. 3,000! You think the last few months have been crazy? Try being one of these guys. Giving up all that you know from fishing to family Walking away and following Jesus, and then after three years of following Him, three to three and a half years after that, watching Him die on a cross. Imagine what they feel emotionally when they're hiding in a room because they think they're next to be killed, hiding in an upper room with the door locked and having the dead Jesus walk through the door. You think your life is weird? And then how about the fact that they watch Him after resurrection, He feeds them breakfast, they watch Him eat, they have all these conversations with Him, and for 40 or 50 days they spend time with Him, and then all of a sudden they watch Him float up into the air. This is weird stuff. And then of course, they know what to do. God sends two angels to tell them to go on to, to Jerusalem and wait. And then Pentecost happens, and then 3,000 people get saved. That's weird. They never had that kind of following. And then life went back to normal. I mean, between chapter 2 and chapter 3, we really don't know how much time has passed. We have no idea. When you read it, you sort of think one day leads to another, but that's not how it was for the disciples and followers of Jesus. You know, when we read the Scriptures and you hear preaching on it, it's always about big events. So you start to think even subconsciously that every day in the life of a disciple was a big event. That's just not how it was. They had normal lives like ours that were invaded with incredible supernatural moments. And that's chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1, picks up with Peter and John going to the temple one afternoon to take part at the 3 o'clock prayer service. That's a normal day. I want you to take a breath, and even in the wording it kind of gives you the idea that Meanwhile, back at the ranch, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service, and is a normal day in the life of a faithful Jew. It's believed that three times a day, faithful Jews in Jerusalem would go into the temple area to pray. If you didn't live in Jerusalem, a faithful Jew would stop his activities three times a day and would pray towards Jerusalem you are actually familiar with this because that's what causes Daniel to be thrown in the lion's den. Remember, after it was outlawed to pray to any other god but Nebuchadnezzar? It says that immediately following, he did what he always did every other day. He went up into the the upper room of his house, he opened the doors towards Jerusalem, and he prayed like he did every day. This is that. It's the normal life of a faithful Jew. Peter and John were faithful Jews. They had seen the Jewish prophecy of redemption fulfilled in Jesus. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah, that he had proven himself to be the Messiah. They weren't abandoning Judaism. They were now committed to helping Jews understand that this the one that they had waited for, that he was superior to Moses, that he was superior to David. They were still, though, faithful Jews. And at 3 o'clock this afternoon, they're going to prayer service at church. And as they approach the temple, verse 2 says, there's a lame man from birth was being carried in. Each day, he he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so that he could bathe from the people going into the temple. This was common. You see, religious folk trying to work their way to God and to be seen as good religious folk, are very giving. They're very giving. They're very willing to give to people in need. And it was big industry, if you can call it that, in the biblical times, for a family members to carry a person who's lame or sick to the edge of the temple so that as religious people go in for prayer, they would give them coins or homages or help, and then they uh, they would go in to pray. That is how they made a living. Verse three: When Peter and John were about to enter, he, this layman, asked them for some money. Please take note of that. What does he ask them for? Good. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, "Look at us." The layman looked at them eagerly, and what does he expect? All right, he's not expecting a healing. Very, very important. He doesn't believe they're going to heal him. He expects money. Money, money, money. That's what this is about. This is what he goes to the temple gate, the beautiful gate for. This is what people do when they enter to pray so that God will hear them. They will show mercy to those in need and go in and pray. That's all he expects. This was about money. He had no inkling What was about to happen? In Acts 2, we watched God fill his followers with the Holy Spirit and give them the ability to speak in 12 different languages so that they could complete their task of witnessing to thousands that day. Well, God had a task for Peter and John this day that they had no idea about, it had nothing to do with speaking foreign languages. On this day, the Holy Spirit who was inside of them would empower them to do what needed to be done in order for God's will to be accomplished through them on this day. Peter said to the guy, verse 6, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and he helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. I want to reiterate again that these two guys were not going to the temple that day to heal a guy. They weren't going to the temple that day to preach. They weren't going that day to the temple to have a chapter of Acts written about them. They were going to the temple to pray. This was a normal day, just like Pentecost was a normal day in the life of 120 followers of Jesus. They didn't wake up that morning and go, today's going to be super cool. Today was going to be fun because we're going to celebrate with the rest of the Jews. But it had nothing to do with spiritual renewal. This was completely unexpected. They were going to the temple that day for a prayer meeting. They didn't even have what this guy asked for. We look at what he gave as greater. But Peter actually said, we don't have money. That's all he wanted. What we're going to give you is not what you're asking for. And verse 9, or verse 8, tells us the result of that. He jumped up, he stood on his feet, he began to walk, then walking, leaping, and then praising God, he went into the temple with them. This is such a cool verse. It's written weird in English, but it's not weird in the Greek. It's a progression. This guy's checking his legs out. He stands up, they're sure. Then he begins try walking. He walks. Then after walking, he tries leaping, and then once he leaps, he praises God. I'm healed. Praise God! And he goes into the temple with these guys. I want to remind you, though, that this healing was not about this man walking. Now, now, think. I, I want to push you in your thinking on this. We always obsess over the healing, the miracle. But I want you to know that there were probably dozens and dozens of sick or lame people that day outside of the temple. That's what sick and lame people did in order to make a living. But on that day, only one man was healed. And why? I don't know. God chose this man to draw a crowd. Let's keep going. Verse 9. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful beautiful gate, now you know why God chose him. They were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. I bet he was. I I really, 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 I know you know the story. All of you know the story. And what our culture does, our self-centered culture, where everybody has a bad back or a lame leg or a sore throat, or is afraid of something, or wants a better job or more money. Our self-centered, even Christian culture, we, we obsess over that miracle. So God heals the lame. Of course he heals the lame, but he doesn't heal the lame for the purpose of healing the lame. He heals the lame. He makes us be able to speak in the language of the people he wants us to minister to so that his real agenda can be accomplished. And his real agenda wasn't making that man walk so that he could go to hell on two strong feet. God's plan for our world, friends, is not that it's good. His plan is that people will be redeemed and that we will go into his good world with the right relationship with him. I want to remind you that every person who was ever born or conceived will one day stand before God. And to those who never accept him, he is going to say, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. You have heard that preached and read, and you know that verse, but it's not an angry verse. To me, that verse is a God whose heart is broken. I did not create hell for you. It was prepared for the devil and his angels, but you rejected me. You see, the world is in fact going to hell in a handbasket, and not because Biden probably won set this week. It's going to hell in a handbasket because of what happened in the Garden of Eden. And at that moment, God began a process of redeeming men and women. He decided that through the offspring of Eve, he would send a redeemer who would not only redeem humans, but creation itself. And we are heading towards the new creation. The problem is that we are fed everywhere, including the pulpits, that it's all about you and having a good life. And I'm here to tell you, Paul was very clear in Romans chapter 12. We are to be a living sacrifice. And I, I just want you to know that when Peter and John are going to the temple, they're going to pray. They really weren't going to reach out to this guy. This guy grabbed their attention. They were probably annoyed by the beggars as they went in. They didn't even have money to give these guys. Maybe they had given it to the beggar to the left of him. We don't really know that part of the story. But they don't have what he wants, they only offer him God. And he gets healed. And he jumps and he stands and he, and he runs and he praises God. And the crowd realizes that this is the guy they had seen all the time. And so they come to Solomon's colonnade where they find the beggar that they know as the beggar holding on to Peter and John, holding tightly and praising God. And verse 12 tells us what this day was really about. Look at that line. Peter saw his opportunity and he addressed the crowd. He didn't go looking for an opportunity. He didn't go knowing there would be an opportunity. God presented it. He was a dude going to church. And on the way to church, there was somebody hurting. And he gave him what he had. And as a result of that giving, an opportunity arises to preach the gospel to the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we made this man walk by our own power of godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all of our ancestors who brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus that you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy and righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life. Oh, I don't think that's very... I mean, that's kind of bold. He's going to alienate his crowd. Truth needs to be told. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are a witness to the fact. This is Peter talking. This isn't, this isn't some great order. This isn't Spurgeon. This is Peter I mean, you know him, the fisherman Peter, who spent most of his time serving himself at his own interest, even with Jesus, who denied even knowing Jesus because it might get him killed. But this is a new Peter. This is a spirit-inhabited Peter. This is a new guy who sees an opportunity and takes it. What is the opportunity he sees and takes? An opportunity to witness for Jesus in Jerusalem, just as he said he would. Go to Jerusalem. Wait. What's going to happen is I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, He's going to baptize you, and then you're going to be my witnesses. Peter isn't being obedient by witnessing. He's fulfilling the prophecy of Jesus. This is super important because too often we're like, go witness. And then you go to a class to learn to witness. And then you go to a a meeting where witnessing is going to take place. A witness is an adjective. It's not just a noun or a verb. It is what you are. It is what you do every day, all day. And you see, I think the church forgets that God never once in Scripture ordains the church to fix our country or to save our country. Not once does it say, make sure conservative values. Somebody posted yesterday, a pastor posted yesterday on Facebook, which I have been avoiding, and I will start again today. But a pastor posted yesterday that I will pray for my president if it's Biden... As God commanded, as long as he doesn't. And he listed eight things that he can't do in order for him to pray. That's not what scripture says. And I, I, you know, some people have been writing amazing things about the enslavement to Babylonian captivity of the Jews and God telling them to actually succeed Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a lousy, immoral man. God doesn't say, serve me when it's easy. Serve me when it's simple or when it meets your desires. I want to make it clear, this was not a day where Peter and John finally are getting along and high-fiving each other going, let's write a chapter, man. That's not what this is. This is two dudes, two Jewish dudes, going to pray at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And and there's a dude there who's hurting, and they reach out to that guy and give him all that they have to give him. And as a result, a a crowd gathers, and Peter seizes the opportunity, preaches them. 16, he continues his message through faith in the name of Jesus. This man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Boy, is he not politically correct. You know how bad off this guy was. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Friends, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. But God is fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. Now, repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. The times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord, and he again will send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. What was this new version of Peter's message, Peter 2.0? You rejected God's Messiah, you killed him, he's not here. But God will send him to you to remove your sin and refresh your soul. Actually, he goes on to say, you shouldn't be surprised, you religious Jews either. Verse 21. This Jesus, I put him in there instead of he, this Jesus must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things. As God promised long ago through the holy prophets. Peter finally gets it. He's not coming back today. Verse 22. Moses said, The Lord your God will raise you up for a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. Then Moses said, Anyone who will not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from God's people. Starting with Samuel, every prophet spoke about what, what is happening today. You are the children of those prophets, and you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, Through your descendants, all the families on earth will be blessed. And when God raised up his servant, Jesus, he sent him first to you people of Israel to bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. Just as God, all right, we're rounding third here. Just as God had given them the ability to speak in 12 different languages in chapter 2, without them asking for it, without them knowing that was even a thing, Just as God undoes what happens at the Tower of Babel in Genesis. Remember when everybody spoke one language and he condemned them and made them speak other languages? He undoes that in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2 so that they can be a witness. To the truth of Jesus Christ, so that three thousand will be saved. That was the plan of the day, and God empowered a bunch of 120 of His followers to accomplish that. God does the exact same thing in Acts chapter three. Only this day, He gives them the power to make a man well, to draw a crowd, to preach of Jesus Christ. It was never about a healing. It was never about them being great. It was never about them writing a chapter. It was about the power of God. Uh, he He drew a crowd through this miracle to preach on behalf of Jesus, their Messiah. You see, God saved Peter and John by his grace when they believed. They couldn't take credit for it. It was a gift from God. Salvation isn't a reward for good things that they had done, so they could boast about it. For they were God's masterpiece. He has created them anew in Christ Jesus so that they can do the good things He promised long ago. You see, the truth is, the book of Acts isn't the Acts of the Apostles, as it's been labeled. It's actually about what the Holy Spirit does through surrendered and saved people. The the way this is often preached is I want to be able to do that. Well, that's none of your business. He may allow you to speak in a foreign language you've never spoke, spoken before, but only if He wants you to, to witness to somebody in that language. I'm not saying He won't give you the ability to heal somebody, but only if that person needs to be healed in order for God's purposes to be come about. Heck, He might give you the ability to, to make an apple tree grow out of the ground in the most tasteful apples ever, or stand on your hands even at 110. He could make you hours away from your death Actually, he could let you die and raise you from the dead. God's capable of all those things. But he's limiting himself to doing those in you and through you and to you based upon what his plan is. And his plan is not thwarted by a Democratic president or a Republican Senate or disappointing morals of our culture. He's not asking us to stop having children. He's not asking us to stop meeting. In fact, let me be clear. If somehow this country goes south and they make preaching the Bible illegal, we're still going to study the Scriptures. They'll just come get Jeff Bonin. (laughs) I mean, seriously. By the way, that is what happened to Daniel. Daniel didn't go, screw you, arrest me and throw me in prison. I'm going to show you It says that after it was outlawed that you pray to any other God, he quietly went up into his room, opened the windows towards Jerusalem, and prayed as he always did. I actually think that's a great lesson on how to react to a government that wants to make following God illegal. Just keep doing it. You don't have to have a post on Facebook about it. You don't have to tell people off. You don't even have to convince everybody you're doing the right thing. And if you're lucky, you'll be thrown in a lion's den and they won't eat you. Sometimes they do, and then you go home. But you're just saying, I surrender all. Did you mean it? Do we mean it? I'm not picking on you. I'm in this too. I I want an easy, I'd like to be the fattest pastor ever by the time I retire. Highest paid, fattest, laziest, I want to be all those things. I want no trouble in our country. It's just not how life is. Actually, the perfect government isn't a a democratic republic led by conservatives. The perfect government is a theocracy led by God. And last time I checked, he's still king and he's still our Lord. He's on his throne, so follow him. You need to submit to the government. You need to pray for our leaders and keep living. Keep praying. Keep serving. Keep going. Well, they're making me wear a mask. Then wear a mask. I don't want to wear a mask. Okay, that's a different question. Now you have to decide who's in charge. You or God. Is it inconvenient to Operation Christmas Child? Yes. Of course it's inconvenient. I, like you, would rather be practicing roasting a turkey. But there's children all across the globe. Let me try that again. There are children all across the globe that are going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ simply because we commit a week to our life of packing boxes and sending them off. Well, I don't get to see it. It doesn't matter. It, they're in God's hands. I know it's hard. I know it's frustrating that nothing's the same. I've had people at Carpenters Way and, and online say, I refuse to believe this is the new normal. Okay. You don't have, you don't, then don't believe it. I, I don't even know what that means. I refuse to believe. Okay. I refuse to believe. I mean, half of this country refused to believe that Trump was president. He was. He was. Half this country is going to refuse to believe that Biden is president if the numbers work out. And I, I don't know that they will. I, I, don't, I don't know. That's not my concern this morning. I'm saying that so none of you get upset. But the truth is, if he's our president, guess what? He's our president. And we pray that God succeeds him. Well, he's going to tax me. I know. And if God needs to, he'll, some of the fish at Rayburn will actually have coins in their mouths. He's done it before. <laughs> I mean, he's done it before. Am I worried as a pastor that, that, uh, that, you know, that it will affect the church negatively? You know, maybe my, my flesh is, Julie will say, yes, my flesh is, but my head really thinks it's time for the church to mature and grow up. This was never about a building. It was never about convenience, and it was never about a moral majority. This was always about Jesus, the Redeemer of immoral people. It was always about that. It's not, you getting, it's not about you getting your miracle. It's about God getting His will done. And it's time for us, Carpenter's Way family, and it's not just us. But when I talk about us moving forward now, next year, my move forward is I want to dive deeper into God's will and less into my own. That's what I see here in Acts. That's what I see. I know, I know this is such a great story. And what do we usually do with it? How do you get your miracle? That is not what this story is about. This story is about taking two boneheads. And if you don't think Peter and John are boneheads, just read John. Only this time, watch how John refers to Peter. They're goofy. They're constantly competing. I got there first, but he went right in. I mean, it's, it's silly. Peter later in Acts is actually going to not eat with Gentiles. They're silly, silly men. But inhabited by the Spirit of God, the one who raised Jesus from the dead, there is nothing we can't do. Oh, so I can raise the dead? If God wants you to, well, how do I know if He wants you to? He'll let you know. In the meantime, mind your own business. God does not want you to seek to be a, a, a miracle worker. He wants you to be the miracle. Not because all of a sudden your bad leg was healed, but because God is working in and through you in ways that the world doesn't understand. Do not panic, church. God is still the King of your life. And the more we're panicked, the more we... Are preaching. We don't believe that God's in control. I voted. Did you? If you didn't, then you can't complain. If you did, well, I, you know I got to be careful. Look, I'm a conservative, so blah. If you did vote and your guy didn't win, then God outvoted you. Why would God want that man? And that is not a question I can answer. All I know is God used Nebuchadnezzar. That's all I know. And it hurt his precious nation of Israel. But he had a wonderful plan for them. And what was the plan? Not to make them great, but to to bring a Redeemer through them so that you and I in 2020 could meet in East Texas and talk about the goodness of God. So we just went through this whole story, and I'm going to end it here. You have been saved by God's grace when you believed. You can't take credit for that. It was a gift from God. Salvation wasn't a reward for the good things that you'd done, so you really can't boast about it. I grew up in a church. I was baptized. I, I, I. It's the work of God that redeems you. You can't boast about it. You are simply now God's masterpiece. And He has created you anew in Christ Jesus so that you can do the things He planned for you long ago. And on this day in history, God planned for Peter and John to preach to hundreds of people in the temple grounds. And the reason he gathered a crowd, and wait till you find out the cost of that next week. I know some of you will read ahead. But it cost them greatly. And you know what God's called you to? Raise your kids.
2: My kids are evil.
4: (laughs) Then give them Jesus. Raise your grandkids. Speak the truth. That's sin that puts you at odds with God. I know you don't know that, but I'm warning you, repent. The boss you don't like is the boss God gave you. That's your mission field. The children in your class that are driving you crazy right now, the little COVID people, that's your mission field. Or maybe none of those are your mission field. Well, how do I know where my mission field is? I don't know. Go about your business and God will throw somebody in your lap. It may be the woman at Chili's this afternoon who pours tea on your lap. Or the air conditioner salesman who keeps reaping, ripping you off. Maybe instead of telling them off, you should tell them what sin looks like and there's redemption through Jesus Christ because he needs it. He's a crook. <laughs> Maybe God wasn't sleeping when you married the person you did and your job in your life is to be a living sacrifice and minister to the soul of that man or that woman. Maybe it wasn't an accident when your son came out of the closet as gay and your job isn't to shun them like an Amish, but your job is to actually tell them the truth. In love, tell them the truth. This is antithetical to knowing God. It's sin. But you know, we all struggle with something. So the question is, son, will you sacrifice your desires for the King of Kings? That's the question. The question isn't whether or not we desire sin. The question is whether we'll give it up for the Lord. And the thing that's a little bit scary this morning is, I think most of you probably don't struggle with same-sex attraction or alcohol abuse or drugs or any of those big things. Most of you probably aren't committing adultery. Most of us are just really pissed off that we lost an election. And I thought about that word before I used it, so before you email me, check your King James Bible. It's six times in the Old Testament. <laughs> I say it to say this because that's how you feel. And, and I get it, okay? I get it. I get being mad, but that's when I hear the still, small voice going, did you really depend that much on the government? Seriously, Mark? Did you really think Trump would save you? No, but... I liked it better when he was there. I know. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Not really. (laughs) That's the crisis we're in. So John, I'm not sure God is judging our country. That's what you said today when you walked in. I wonder if he's refining his church. I wonder if he's waking the church up to say, do you believe me? Do you believe I have a plan for the world? Do you believe I have a plan for your life? Do you believe I have a plan for East Texas? Do you believe? What if God isn't judging our country because of its wickedness? What if he's actually saying to the church, I'm tired of you leaning on the wrong thing? You trust in me. How many of us will still be here in a year? Please, join me. I don't feel safe, except in God. What did Jesus say to his disciples? We just studied it. What's the worst they can do? Kill us? That is what he said to them, remember? That's what he said. Don't worry, they're going to persecute you, but don't worry about it. The worst they can do is kill your body. I got your soul. Thank you, Jesus. If somebody would have told me that when when the invitation came, there'd be less people walking down the aisle, because most of the time we're promising people a better life. What we're offering is eternal life. With peace, hope, and joy found in God, not necessarily here. Put your hope in God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, forgive me for a loose tongue. I pray that you won't let me be a distraction from the message of the gospel and the truth and the power of God. Chad reminds us every Sunday morning in the songs that he's written about the power of God that we can rest in you. Lord Jesus, you are not asking us today to go out and find 50 people to witness to. You're asking us to go about our business with new eyes, like Peter had. New eyes where he just ministered to a guy, healed him through the power of God. And then when crowd gathered, it said, he saw the opportunity. May we look for opportunities. Father, help us to be people who want to honor you. The world doesn't work. It doesn't give peace. You need more and more and more. There's never enough money. There's never enough love, there's never enough happiness. Only God offers complete healing. So may the church run to you today. I pray for the success of our country, whoever becomes president. I pray for the success of our state. And I pray that your church will be right in the middle of it. That would we would be people of joy in the face of hate. We love you, Lord. We trust you. Now help us with our unbelief. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm sorry for using the word sorry. Love you.